0: Hi there, I'm Jim.
1: And I'm Claire.
0: Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me once again, Dr. Claire LaMonica, our director. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jim. Hey, uh, we're recording this uh, middle of November. Yes. It's going to go out probably in a couple of weeks, and we are uh, in prime time for those end-of-term evaluations that all of us faculty members are giving our students. So we wanted to talk about that today. Um, you have people come and talk to you about these once in a while, don't you?
1: Yeah, not just not just me, but several of us here at CTLT often um, hear from faculty, uh, usually in um, in the bleak midwinter, you yeah, know, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in January, or uh-huh. um, when they're pulling them out and looking at them, um, and they may and they may feel flummoxed, just confused by them, or they may feel concerned about them, mm-hmm. and so sometimes they find their way over to talk to us about them.
0: So today, we want to talk a little bit about what what we should really, as as instructors, expect to get out of these. To an extent, and an important caveat, as we were talking before we started to record this, was uh, your mileage may vary because the uh, these assessments vary across campus, right? Right,
1: right. Uh, aside from the College of Applied Science and Technology, where they use a standard um, evaluation form, they use the IDEA mm-hmm. um, across the college, mm-hmm. um, other than that... Uh, it 's my understanding that each academic department has its own um, its own evaluation forms, so right. those vary widely, mm-hmm. and they were you know devised in widely different ways so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But we want to talk a little bit about what what faculty members should expect to get out of this what they what they shouldn 't worry about as much. Uh, that sort of thing and how to actually use these as positive tools for planning your next round of teaching absolutely uh, as opposed to uh, uh, as opposed to being something that just kind of gets us down during the bleak <laughs> bleak, <laughs> the bleak m- months of winter else yes. to
1: feel bad about in January <laughs> right <laughs> so uh, to
0: start out in general um, uh, t- tell us why we do this why why do you have a, 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 these sort of in a semester valuations why, why is it a good thing
1: that, well, you know, it is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Good teachers are reflective practitioners. And um, without course evaluations or student evaluations of teaching, as they're sort of called in the field, mm-hmm. um, we wouldn't have as much to reflect on. It's important to gain a variety of perspectives on our teaching. Um, and we, we talk about this every time we talk about you know, assessing mm-hmm. our own teaching. But um, mm-hmm. one very important perspective to get is our students perspective and this is one way of getting that information
0: and and i think the key word there as you emphasize is perspective because it is an important view it's it's how the students are kind of framed uh, or how they are framing um their uh, what they see going on in the course but we have to understand it is also from their perspective so as we right. read these results we have to realize we have to we have to kind of be in their shoes a little bit too
1: and, that, and that's valid i think um, you know our students Our students are our primary audience. That's true. They're who we're teaching. Yeah. So if we want to know how we're doing at our job, it's really nice if we consult our primary audience and ask them, hey, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, It's really the only thing that makes sense. You know, if your um, car mechanic wanted to know whether he'd done a good job fixing your car, he'd probably have to ask you. Uh, That's why you sometimes get – a follow-up survey from your car mechanics. Right. So.
0: Beyond the basic threshold of, <laughs> right. you know, did you survive the car trip home after right. I fixed yeah. it? Right, yeah, did the car make it home? <laughs> right, that's yeah.
1: A, that's a good metric. Yeah,
0: <laughs> my class just filled out its its evaluation last night. I actually was in another instructor's class last night Delivering the because
1: uh, your department trades off yeah. my
0: my department trades off right. and so and yeah. I'm holding a uh, people can't a see it very at home. stubby little pen I'm holding pencil. I'm holding my my commemorative uh, uh, end of semester <laughs> evaluation two pencil. yeah golf pencil or whatever you call these things these yeah. fiendish little I have things.
1: to tell you I don't want to get into politics but I have to tell you that yeah. after a lifetime in academics I yeah. am so ingrained that you have to use a number two pencil that when they gave me a marker to vote with, I was really <laughs> disconcerted. I thought, wait, is this going to count? This isn't Don't I work. need a number two pencil? So <laughs> whatever. Yeah, well, you That's know, an aside. You can cut it if you want to. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to keep that
0: in because I actually think that that's something I want to come back to towards the end, which is talking about how students approach these evaluations mm-hmm. and how that affects what we see in terms of the numbers. Okay. Um, but, uh, okay and speaking of numbers so the I th- my when I first started to get these when I came to teach at Illinois State because we did them a little differently at my previous institution um, and I didn't actually see them all the time. So it was oh. great that I was getting every semester all of a sudden I got an email and it had here's here's what yeah. they had to say Wow and I'm looking at a bunch of numbers and I, I you know I took statistics I, I know what numbers are for and how they work. Uh, I don't always have as much faith that they're describing the universe. Precisely. But um it's a comparison I get at least a breakdown of how how they rated me, how they rated all of the other two hundred or three hundred level courses that are taught in yeah. the department and, and, and how they rate all this other stuff. So there there are a lot of these numbers and I think that that causes some anxiety for us when we read
1: these. Well, it causes a lot of anxiety for me because, you know, numbers <laughs> make my eyeballs roll back in right, my head. So right. um so it's. I think there are probably differing levels of anxiety caused yeah. by numbers. I mean, yeah. I think probably people who's you know for whom not numbers is their stock and trade are right. maybe not as um, <clears throat> flummoxed. Yeah, by the, a little, by little the more numbers. sanguine you about know, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, and they also know that frequently. Uh, with a course, you're dealing with a very small N. Yeah. You know, you've got 20, 25 in a seminar course. Maybe you have 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a really small number of people being asked these questions. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's hard to uh, to take too much out of it. On the other end, you know, you may be, if you're teaching a class of, you know, three, 400 students, you have a really large N. But you also have sort of the confounding um factor of, well, this is a class with three or 400 students. So the, cor- the questions that seem applicable to a class of 25 may not be as right. applicable to a class of three or 400. Right. So right. it's an important tool, but it's an imperfect tool. Mm-hmm.
0: So when faculty members come to you and they, they bring these numbers, they bring these results, what, what are they saying to you and, and what are you saying to them?
1: Yeah, I, well, usually if they come to us here at CTLT, and, and again, it's not just me, but when they, when they come to, to me or my colleagues here at CTLT, usually it's because they're worried about something. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually it's because they're worried because, oh, they got a list and they found out that, You know, their class was in the bottom quadrant of all 200 level courses being taught or Mm -hmm. worse yet, they were in the bottom quadrant of everybody teaching in their department or, you know, some some really worrying kind of thing like that. And so usually they want to know. Well, their big question is always, how could I do better? How can I, you know, sure. and that's a natural question, to, right? how can I get higher numbers? Well, okay. There's, there's um, that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think there is a real concern. You know, people here really care about their teaching. I, mm-hmm. I have great confidence in that. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty certain that anybody listening to this podcast really cares about their teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah I would hope so. Um, you know, I think the, the goal yeah. really is to get to be a better teacher. And in that case, um, you have to, uh, I think, Avoid giving too much credence to one set of numbers, Uh any one set of numbers. Uh So what I really encourage people to do is to look at um, these assessment results, to look for trends and to look for trends across courses in any given semester and across semesters in any given course. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one set of evaluations from one class can tell you something about that snapshot of your teaching, Mm -hmm. that one course with that one set of students in that one semester. But every semester is different. Every set of students is different. Our courses are almost always different. We always always tweak something um, Mm -hmm. before we teach them again. So, it really is just a snapshot. I think the most important takeaways are the ones that we can glean from looking at trends.
0: Yeah, and I and I've benefited from that personally. One of the questions that's asked uh, in the school of communication is um, essentially, um, you know, how you know it's a Likert type scale. So you know, uh, agree, strongly agree, agree, disagree, etc. My instructor. Uh, returns work quickly, or in a timely manner, in appropriately, you know, an yeah. appropriate length of time. And I, you know, I had always struggled with that, for, for yeah. the longest time, I struggled with that. I still yeah. occasionally do, yeah. um, but I'm better at communicating when I'm not going to return stuff. When I said I yeah. was, yeah. but but that was something that I learned over time. It's like this wasn't just a fluke. This is a pattern I'm starting right. to see. So it's looking right. for patterns, right? It's yeah.
1: looking for patterns. I, you know, I I frequently tell the story. People, many people, have already heard it about. Um, the first time that a student said on one of my course evaluations she plays favorites, yeah, I wrote that off. Uh-huh. Um, and that was in the you know in the quantit, the qualitative comments, right. not the quantitative. But um, uh, a semester later, when a different student said the same thing in the same course, I thought, huh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Somebody said that last semester. You know, the third time I heard it, I really had to start taking it seriously, sure. and I had to figure out what it was I was doing that either was, pl- you know, was I playing favorites? I mean, mm-hmm. I had to ask myself that question. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't, what was I doing that gave that perception? So
0: because so, and and a lot, at least the assessments I I get. Uh, the student evaluations, uh, include an open question sort of thing, Mm -hmm. that that more uh, uh, qualitative sort of feedback. But regardless, we have to think about what, why are the students drawing that conclusion? Right. It may not be that what they're saying is actually true, but they think that's what it is. So why are they thinking that's what it is? And that's part of the reflection process for us as teachers, right?
1: Right. Because they don't often include that. It would have been very helpful to me if um, the first student had said, she plays favorites. I can tell because, because she spends, yeah. you know, right. more time talking to this student about his writing than she spends talking to me about my writing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, if that if I had um, been given that information the first time I saw that comment, uh-huh. um, it would have been very very helpful. Right. <laughs> right.
0: But the thing you didn't do, it sounds like, is what I even found myself doing, and I have talked to some faculty members who kind of there's an initial reaction to this feedback where it's like, yeah, but they don't know that. I do this work and they don't know that the, you know, and they try to create the counter argument because it, because
1: it feedback is, can be well, tough it, sometimes. Sure. Can't absolutely. You know? It, you know, and our students are not, they are not good at providing diplomatic or sometimes even constructive feedback. They're sure. not good at, sure. at providing constructive feedback in a diplomatic way. Mm-hmm. They just put it out there. And, you know, part of that, um, part of that is, is, um, Part of that is on us. Sure. We're asking students to think evaluatively without sometimes, sometimes that's the only time we're asking them to think evaluatively in our <laughs> class. And you know, that's not a good thing. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Providing constructive feedback in a diplomatic fashion is something that takes practice. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm our students sometimes don't know how to do that sometimes they just can't be bothered and mm-hmm. and often they don't provide any you know they fill in the numbers they they fill in the bubbles and then that's that's all we get we only get the numbers
0: well and i that's why I want, what I wanted to to kind of come back to uh, what I wanted to kind of come back to which was I also get a sense you know so last night, I walked into this class and I had, for another instructor, and I said, Hi, I'm here to do the evaluation. And there was kind of this universal, oh. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, we're doing really? this again. Yeah, yeah, really? So I think there is some, in some cases, there, there may be a little bit of evaluation fatigue. I don't know what you do about it. I, I guess you don't do anything about it, but it, you may need to recognize it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for students to, um, to understand that faculty really do use those evaluations. Mm -hmm. When I go out to give midterm chats, I talk a little bit about how uh, the chat as an alternative to the Mm – or as a supplement Mm -hmm. to the end-of-semester evaluation. And I I try not to pose it as an alternative. And I always make the point that instructors here at Illinois State, for the most part – do look at those evaluations. They mm-hmm. do take them seriously, and they do make changes to their teaching or their courses based on the um, their findings from the evaluations. Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of times students just think, "Oh, this is just a waste of time. Nobody ever looks at the." It's a little bread Nothing and circuses, it's just, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, right. blah blah blah. It's just bu- they they perceive it as busy work, right? And um, and if there's not any counter narrative, mm-hmm. then why should they change their mind? Yeah.
0: Well, and and we would hope then that if, if that counter-narrative can be presented, that we'll get more accurate data and yeah. we'll get more useful data out of this. I mean, you're always going to have, I always have one student who just marks all the ones, yeah. whatever, you know, just someone who, you know, I actually shouldn't say I always have that, but I often see that. Mm-hmm. And it may be that they are truly disenchanted with the course mm-hmm. and my teaching. It could very well be that. And I always... Think about that.
1: Or they may be disenchanted with the process. That's the other part of it. Whatever. I mean, you just, you don't, you know, you have to watch for the trend. Yes. If there are several students marking all ones or fives or whatever. And that's, you know, that's another thing is that students are poor students. You know, every course they go in and there's a, it's, if the course is in a different department, it's a different instrument. And sometimes ones are good. And sometimes ones are bad. Yeah. And they, you know, unless they're reading very carefully, you know, because I have had people bring me evaluations where um, they're given all lowest marks Mm -hmm. in the, in the um, qualitative part the quantitative part sorry uh-huh. I get those confused uh-huh. um, and then there are these glowing comments in, in you know in the other part the open right. ended part so so um, students didn't they, read the instructions yeah, carefully they yeah, didn't yeah, read the instructions the carefully so. you know,
0: and, and of course in some instruments in fact in a in a in a good instrument there should be a few of those uh, likert type questions where it is reversed so you're checking to see if they're they're actually paying attention or not but if it's but you know I, I always thought five was always Great. And and one was already. Not necessarily. Not not necessarily. (laughs) Not necessarily. That's interesting. interesting. So what advice, what other advice do you give to faculty members when they come and they talk about, when they just say, I don't know what to do with these
1: numbers? Yeah. Well, you know, I tell people, let's crunch them. You know, you need to crunch the numbers. Don't Mm -hmm. try to take much away from just the raw data. And so we, you know, we spend a little time crunching numbers. We look for averages and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm feeling really geeky, I might talk about statistical you know, right. things like that. But I'm so rarely feeling that geeky feel, mm-hmm. you know. Anybody mm-hmm. who wants to talk about things like that should probably see Julianne because she, right. she's really right. good at that stuff. Yeah. But we tend to look, you know, we look at averages and um, across the class and mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of times that's already been figured And then, you know, we kind of talk about, well, you know, that's, it's not as bad as it looks, you know, more Mm -hmm. of these are, you know, on the high side than are on the low side. But, um, and and I also encourage people to not, this is really hard because we all do this, to not beat themselves up about the one student Mm -hmm. who gave them lowest marks on everything. Because, you know, there is so often that one student. Yeah, like and, I said, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, yeah. I feel like, um, in most classes, I'm going to have somebody who thinks I walk on water and somebody who thinks I am the devil's spawn. <laughs> and I really try to throw out both of those, it's, uh-huh. but but you know I beat my I'm like everybody else I beat myself up over about over that I spend so much time concentrating on that one really negative one mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to get past. So you know I really encourage people to get past that. You know mm-hmm. let's talk about this body of information outside of this outlier mm-hmm. or you know outliers in each direction or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other probably most frequently um, given, of, you know, given piece of advice from Aunt Claire or whatever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it would be good today to kind of end on that wider perspective. You know, you and I, we, we talked about doing the, the episode and we haven't yet about why we both became teachers. Yeah. But part of that is that, you know, teaching is a very personal Profession in that I mean you really have to have your identity I am a teacher in order to do this I think I mean there are people who come from ministry and whatnot and and I was certainly one of those I came from a from a profession and I came back to teach uh, in that in that discipline There's a flip side which is not to take teaching it's a personal endeavor but don't take it too personal personally <laughs> all the time In other words you have to have a little bit you have to be able to to take a step back and be not just reflective but also objective about what you're doing
1: right and and i think being reflective can help you with that you Mm -hmm. know in the broader scheme of things you Mm -hmm. know this is this this set of evaluations is one snapshot is a Mm -hmm. snapshot and how am i developing overall Mm -hmm. as a teacher am i Am I making progress overall in the big scheme of things? You know, are all things working toward good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what we're aiming at. So yeah. I think, you know, trying to find a takeaway – yeah. You know, and, and you also you can't address every issue. You just can't do that. You can't. You can't.
0: No, and I think it's so it, it's important you know, not to make wholesale change every time you get an evaluation right. because you're never gonna. I mean, right?
1: Because you're it's never a single snapshot. It was one class. Yeah. It's you know, and your students yeah. next semester may love that assignment that your students this semester hated. So, you know, yeah, you can't just reinvent yourself as an instructor in response to every set of course mm-hmm. evaluations. Mm-hmm. You have to have a, a sense of yourself and um, be moving in a sense of your best self and be and be moving towards that.
0: Well, I think achieving a best uh, a sense of our best self is always a good goal. So yeah. I think that's also a good way to end today's uh, episode. So, Claire, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology and our podcast by going to ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. You can find past episodes and learn how to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. For Claire LaMonica and everyone here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, happy teaching.